Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Today we celebrate Epiphany, and if that feels like a weird word to you, it simply means a manifestation or a revealing. And this week, I just sort of sat in this definition, like what is being revealed, what is happening? And then I discovered that there was a story unfolding that taught me more about Epiphany than I had thought about in a long, long time. The other day, Thursday, I'm sitting on my sofa, all right? I, th- see, you need to understand for me, Thursday is my Friday, like I get to Thursday evening and I'm like, oh, I got my weekend coming up because I'm off on Friday, so I'm not doing anything, I'm not worried about anything, I wasn't feeling great, I'm just sitting on my sofa and I'm just scrolling on my phone, and all of a sudden I pull up ESPN, which is what I do, check the hockey scores, all right, what's going on in football, not that I care, but I saw Bill's Bengals is happening and I see that it's delayed, that's all it said. Like, football games don't get delayed. Wonder what's going on. So I turn on the game. I'm like, hon, is it all right if I turn on the game? She's like, yeah, I'm not watching anything. And I turn it on, and there I stumble across what I'm sure you all have heard over the past week, that DeMar Hamlin, the, um, the secondary player for the Buffalo Bills, is laid out on the field. And all of a sudden, all of this comes kind of crashing in on my life. We watched this horrible scene unfold, and I watched as commentator after commentator, for the record, did a beautiful job of stepping into tragedy and trying to help viewers understand what was going on and to feel the emotions of this moment. I don't know about you, but for me, it brought back a lot of times that I've been under that kind of stress and strain, and just watching them brought a lot of that back in some dark ways, but at the same time, just admiring what they were doing. And so I've been following this story for the last couple of days just as an athlete, as someone who cares about athletes and who cares about personal stories. I actually turned on the news for the first time in like two years just to kind of see how this was going to go. And I was so relieved when the other day he finally woke up, you know, we're getting all these reports and he wakes up. And I'm like, I wonder, and my question is always, what's the first thing that somebody says when they wake up from this really traumatic experience? And maybe you heard what his first words were. Now, he couldn't speak. He was intubated at the time. They, he finally woke up. But he had a notepad, and he wrote out. You all know what he wrote out? Did we win the game? My heart just swelled, because that's exactly what an athlete, what a team player asks. Caleb gets home from work on Friday. He was, he was at work, and so we hadn't had a chance to, and he's always in a barn. He's out in the middle of nowhere, no cell service. So I explained the story to Caleb. I said, Caleb, did you hear what Hamlin said when he woke up? And I told him, and I said, I said, he said, did we win the game? And Caleb just nodded that big old head of his, and he goes, of course, that's what he would have said. Part of me wants to say, Mr. Hamlin, it's okay to ask if you're all right. Like, the results of the game will wait. So maybe there's this kind of weirdness to it. But in the worst moment of Mr. Hamlin's life, it spoke to exactly what was in his heart. He cared about his teammates. He cared about their performance. It wasn't about him. It was always about us. And in that moment, DeMar Hamlin told us a little bit about what was in his heart. Who he is is revealed. It is a revealing, one might say, an epiphany. 
Part of what makes this story good is that, yes, by all accounts, he's a really good guy, genuinely cares for his family, for his community, and for his teammates. But up until now, we could not have known that. Maybe fans in Buffalo knew it. Maybe fans in Pittsburgh knew it. He went to the University of Pittsburgh. All right, maybe they knew it, but we don't know. They're just guys on the screen, right? Just because you have a GoFundMe for kids doesn't make you a good guy. Like, there's plenty of guys. You, like, you wouldn't want to hang out with them, but they got a GoFundMe. All right, being a football player tells me absolutely nothing about your character, good or bad. All I know is he's a guy with a name on the back of a jersey and a number. But it was in this moment, under pressure, that told me a little something about Mr. Hamlin. And what he said and did under this immense pressure at the worst moment of his life, did we win, tells me an awful lot about who this kid is. And that's why this story has gripped our nation, and why fans all over the place are cheering for this guy. And today, as we all go home and watch football, today's just going to be a really special day to celebrate a really special young man. Thought about DeMar Hamlin with Epiphany. When you're under pressure, when you're in the tough spots, what is it that comes up out of you? St. Mary's, under pressure, under duress, what comes up out of us? Who are we revealed to be in our most difficult moments? We ask this because that's what epiphany is. We sing We Three Kings, and it's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorite songs that we sing at this time of the year. But sometimes, you know, the nice little, the nice little you know, guys, they're all doing this pose. I've tried to practice it from time to time. They all have the same pose, and they all look pretty and nice, and it is this beautiful story. But the gospel at Epiphany is put under tremendous pressure right out of the gate. For all the beauty and glory of the Christmas story, the Christmas story, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the stable, all of it, for all of its beauty, the Christmas story remains a local story with a local personal concern. The story of Mary, Joseph, donkey, sheep, and all of it, if, it ha if the gospel had not been put under some kind of pressure, would have remained a local tale, and it would ultimately have been unsuccessful at delivering good tidings of great joy for all people. Friends, throughout religious traditions across the world, there are stories like this one, like the Christmas story, miraculous births, special stories of a small family put under difficult circumstances, Epiphany is the one that takes that story and grows it. It puts the entire gospel and person of Jesus Christ under the pressure, a very unique pressure of empire. The gospel is pressed down. What is this gospel? And first, it shows us how pressure can go sideways. Our old buddy Herod. Herod's not good at pressure. If you don't know who Herod is, Herod is a local magistrate for the empire. He is doing the work of Rome. In other words, he is Caesar's local, jealous, insecure, and because of all that, brutal puppet. His job is to execute Caesar's agenda, and his job is to make sure that his little portion of the world stays as quiet as possible, pays their taxes, and put down rebellion. That's his job. So when he hears there is a threat to the throne... He freaks out, and all Jerusalem with him. Herod is put under pressure. Herod is put in a difficult spot. 
And what comes up out of him is an impulse to treachery, deceit, and self-preservation to the point of murder. You're like, murder? Didn't read that. Keep reading in the Gospel of Matthew. Jerusalem knows this guy, right? Like, we all know who our leaders are. They're not, they know who Herod is. And they know that if Herod's in a bad mood, everybody's in a bad mood. And they know that when his power is challenged, this insecure leader will stop at nothing to preserve his tenuous hold on that power. And so Jerusalem fears right alongside of him. Right from the very first chapters. We're in chapter 2 of Matthew. And right from the first chapters, Jesus' very present is a threat to the powers and principalities of the world. And it is clear from these pages that the gospel stands diametrically opposed to those who seek power and self-preservation at all costs. But under a similar kind of pressure, put under their own pressure from Herod, the Magi react very differently. The Magi seek a star. Now consider their journey from another country in a sky of a million stars, which you and I, because we live in a technological society, cannot appreciate the beauty of the night sky when it is completely dark. Maybe some of you have like been in the mountains and seen it, but around here, like I can't even walk out my own house. There's lights all over the place. I don't quite get the stars. That's not a shot. It's just saying there's a million stars in the sky and they pick out the one star that is leading them somewhere, and it sends them on a journey of discovery and wonder. Put under their own pressure of wonder and the pressure of Herod, the Magi bear witness that the gospel isn't just, for, isn't just a local story. Rather, the Magi from another country remind us that this gospel is a global gospel. The message of Jesus is not just kind of a be good morality. The message of Jesus is not, well, just kind of be good and go to heaven. The message of Jesus is not sort of a local society for those who are interested in religious type things. That is not what this story is. The message of the Magi, under the immense pressure of global realities, the message is one of hope. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward all. So under pressure, the powers and principalities of the world show us what they are, brutal, jealous, and scheming. But in the same situation, Christ and his story invites all people to hope. It is a global gospel for every single person. Right from the very get-go, it's about more than just a small group of people. And Paul, in our reading from Ephesians, and this is a beautiful reading from Paul, to boil it all down, he says, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul, who was himself the most Jewish of all Jews, Paul, who understood his own rules and understood how to draw boundary lines everywhere, he's like, actually, as we look at the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus is about us all. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. We have the same status. And what Paul writes when he says, these are the Gentiles, what he's saying is whoever you believe to be the outsiders are actually invited in. And there is no point in any of Paul's writings where he says, well, the Gentiles are in up until this point. Paul never draws a boundary line. 
which means when he says the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, the point is whoever else you think is still on the outside of that boundary line is actually on the inside of that boundary line. Consider this. Unless you have really Jewish roots, the only reason you and I have even heard of Jesus was because under this kind of pressure, the Magi chose hope. The only reason we have heard of Christ is that throughout his life, under immense pressure himself, Jesus chose us. And under immense pressure, the pressure of martyrdom, the pressure of political power, under immense pressure, the early church said, no, we're going to continue to share this gospel. And under that pressure, it has come all the way down to you and me. If Jesus had retreated to himself, if the church had been fearful and drew inside itself, if the church had left boundaries up, if church had preferred the insiders, you and I would have been left out. And yet here we are, as Zechariah prayed, free to worship him without fear all the days of our life. So friends, I don't know what this year holds for you and for us. But I'd like to think I'm getting old enough to know that there'll be some pressure points in life. You and I are not going to skirt through the next 365 days everything of bed of roses. Undoubtedly, the pressure points are coming for you, they're coming for me, and they're coming for us. But friends, these pressure points are not the negation of God's goodness. These pressure points will reveal who and what we are. Will that pressure, like a concrete block, cause us to close ranks? Will it shrink us, lead us to self-preservation? Will that pressure, like the air pressure inside of a balloon, inflate us, grow us, grow our hearts? Will we find the hope, that single point of light in the sky that the Magi found, and reveal love and wonder in us? I think it can. So when we feel that impulse to shrink in, let us confess it. And grow from that experience. Christ is showing us something of ourselves. And that's a wonderful thing. And when we feel it, find ourselves leaning into love and service, sacrifice and wonder, may we take encouragement that God is still doing good work inside of us. And let us keep going. And as we bring on a new consistory here in just a minute, my friends, those of you who have served on consistory, those of you who are coming on to consistory, there's a certain pressure in that, is there not? Consistory's been joking for the last six months, can't wait to get out of here in so many ways. And so it's like, oh, we're coming on. And there's this burden, there's this weight, this pressure that comes with that. Some of that pressure is wonderful. It's a new year, new opportunity, new faces. And some of it feels like a burden. What will this year mean? Local and national challenges that we didn't create, but we have to answer for. And so to the, consist- the new consistory coming in, I will say, it is our responsibility to watch those night skies, to find that point of light, and to lead our people towards hope, towards a story that is bigger than ourselves, towards a Christ who is still making all things new. St. Mary's, it's not about us. It's about a global gospel, and it's about sharing this gospel with the world. There is not a person walking around the face of the earth that we don't get to share the gospel with. And so I want to challenge, with a big heart, I want to challenge this new consistory to make that discovery of hope and wonder a priority. With boldness and confidence, like Paul writes, through faith, let us with one heart work together to take the gospel to the world. Push these walls out, push this roof up, and may joy and praise and hope come pouring out of us when the world presses down on us. 
And in doing so, because we have no guarantee now, but in doing so, as we follow that star, we will discover, as Paul describes, the boundless riches that are hidden in Christ Jesus. May we follow that star. And in following that star, may we be revealed for who we are and who God is making us to be. Amen. Amen. 